Today, we're on the third part of this week-long series of, of short messages on the Nativity, and I want to talk about hidden wonder. In Paul's letter to the Galatians, he says that Jesus was born at just the right time. Well, what did he mean by that? What was that time? Jesus was born under the reign of Augustus Caesar. For the first time in history, an empire uh, would span the known globe. There was common language. There was, for the first time, safe roads, even a postal system. And for the first time, there was a multi-ethnic community that could trade not only in commodities but ideas. Now, a message of salvation, the gospel, could enter the world. We began this series by pointing out that the gospel is revealed in hiddenness and lowliness. You'll recall that the Magnificat stressed Mary's acknowledgement of her own lowliness. And this is the place of God's blessing. From beginning to end, the nativity story celebrates the ordinary as being extraordinary. For this is how God breaks in. You know, this almost always surprises us. It's so counterintuitive. Now, for many centuries, Israel had been waiting, anticipating God's Messiah, who, as Mary sang, would bring down the mighty and raise up the lowly. He would right all wrongs and restore Israel to its true identity. Through the words of the Old Testament prophets and through their study of the scriptures, the religious leaders of the time were confident that they knew what signs to look for that would usher in the Messiah. You know, this, this, this certainty is something we must always be careful of because Jesus' birth, in, indeed his entire ministry, confronted this assumption. Beyond the layers of romantic tradition, what we really are confronted with in this story is a travel-weary couple from the working class. Remember, we talked about Dulas. And they've traveled for about 70 miles by foot and donkey, about a four-day journey. And they're not there by choice. They're there because of an edict from Rome. So once again, we see how God orders the affairs of man for his eternal and wonderful purposes. Through this edict, Caesar unwittingly contributes to the very purposes of God prophesied in uh, the book of Micah. Bethlehem, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah, but one will come from you to be a ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. Up until now, God's plan of salvation has been focused exclusively upon Israel. But now, again through Rome's unwitting involvement, God's plan enters the known world and world history. Just think of this couple. Imagine Mary's discomfort, just days from giving birth, all of those miles, those days, those hours on the donkey. Imagine Joseph as a first-time father, his growing concern for his wife's well-being. 
And you know, people have been streaming in in response to this edict. They've been streaming in for the census into Bethlehem uh, over the past several days. And when Joseph and Mary, exhausted, arrive, they discover they've arrived too late to find lodging. All along, they were, they were encouraging one another, well, we're going to be coming to a, a warm bed and we can rest. Instead, they faced rejection at place after place. Surely this is not what Mary imagined carrying the Messiah would be like. How many of us would have felt overwhelmed by disappointment, fatigue, confusion, fear, And so they must stay in what was probably a cave. And in desperation, as Mary was giving birth, they had no choice but to put the baby in a feeding trough. The the reality of that, it, it very likely actually was a stone feeding trough. Now, there's two points that stand out. First, the way of the Lord is often difficult. It's often tiring and confusing, and we must not weigh whether or not God is blessing something by how easy or how difficult it is. It is all too easy for us to say, oh, this couldn't be God's will. This is too hard. The second point I see in this is is the feeding trough itself, the manger. You know, from the earliest days of the church, They've understood that the spiritual meaning of this trough. St. Augustine, the church fathers, wrote that the manger is the place where the animals find their food. But now, lying in the manger is he who called himself the true bread come down from heaven. The true nourishment that we need in order to be fully ourselves. This is the bread that gives us true life, eternal life. Therefore, the manger becomes the table of God to which we are invited so as to receive the bread of God. Like Mary, who we told you before is known as the Theodicus, Christ bearer, the manger, in a sense, becomes the Ark of the Covenant in which God is mysteriously hidden among men. Now, though hidden... If we're, if we're hungry to understand these things, God will give revelation because he loves to reveal himself to those who will keep pursuing. Jeremiah 29, 13, the promise from the Lord is that you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Beloved, if we let it, the nativity account will both comfort and confront us. In pursuing the mystery of Christ's presence around and within us, the Nativity reminds us that we are not to seek Him according to our assumptions. We are not to seek Him as we suppose He is or how we want Him to be. The Nativity invites us, in the words of Thomas Keating, to consent and surrender to the ultimate mystery, just as He is not as we think he is, just as he is, with all the wonder and all the bewilderment that that entails. So here lies the beauty of the nativity narrative. It points to the great and all-embracing truth that the depth, the sheer beauty of God and his work in creation 
is revealed in the ordinary. You know, slowly I'm learning to recognize him in the ordinariness of silence. It's a journey of trust. I've come to believe that Christ's presence, even if I cannot feel anything, is forming me. In the silence, he is not speaking to my mind or my emotions, but spirit to spirit. As Isaiah wrote, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. This kind of silent waiting prayer of simply being quiet before him, to be deeply content to be with him, it seems so ordinary. But like the Christmas story, it is wonder clothed in the everyday. It is faith that sees beyond appearances to God's reality. To my surprise, this is opening up my eyes to see in new and increasing ways Christ all around me. Not to simply acknowledge his reality, but to experience and recognize him in creation, in others, and in my circumstances. So in this Christmas season, as I see the sacredness and the mystery of the ordinary, I'm beginning to recognize his grace is everywhere at all times. (laughs) And why am I surprised? After all, the angels told us, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. God bless you.